Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio. In The Suicide Note, Flanagan expresses admiration for mass murderers, specifically the Columbine killers and the Virginia Tech shooter. Flanagan said that after the Charleston church shooting, Jehovah God spoke to him. Then as he was walking out of the uh, actual newsroom, he handed a small wooden cross on his desk to a manager and said, you'll need this. Like we were in a lockdown the day that he was fired because we didn't know the extent of his mental illness. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. Good morning, it's 904 at News Radio 1067. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show. Renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi, and I'm thrilled that you are here for this conversation. And yes, we do conversation. That's what we. Do. I'm not here to tell you what you should think. That's, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what I think. I'm still trying to understand the world. Everybody is welcome at eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Not because every opinion is legitimate or worthwhile. That's not true at all. There's some people have opinions that are totally unfounded, idiotic, and bizarre. But because I want to hear them, and because you see stuff that I don't see, I can learn from you. And so please help me. I'm just a, I'm, 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 I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a guy who pays taxes. I'm a guy who goes to work. Just trying to figure out how the world really works. And I, I really, really try to listen. And even when I don't want to, for example, uh, right after the show yesterday, as details came out about the dirtbag shooter in the Virginia story, I try not to use the names unless I have to for clarity, because I don't I, I, I absolutely have no interest in aggrandizing this these killers, but in particular, a killer who so clearly wanted to be a star. I mean, this was I thought it was an interesting point made by the uh, NYPD, an NYPD former police guy who covers, who, who investigates crimes like this. He said this guy clearly thought that the world had wronged him by not making him a network news star. And he made himself a network news star by taking out his camera when he killed his two former co-workers. So I don't want to add to this guy's post-mortem stardom, not at all, no reason to use the name. I get off the air yesterday with a lot of great reaction, including the conversation about whether or not I did the right thing by posting the links to the video that the shooter took as he murdered 
his co-workers. And you're welcome to talk about that at 844-404-1067. And you had a lot to say about that. I, I reposted the, a, ref, a fresher link later so that you could choose to look. If you saw the video, was it the right thing? Are you glad that you saw it or was it a must, or now do you regret it? And do you uh, have you changed your mind at all about my decision to make that video available to you? Because I want you to be part of the conversation. Eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. But in interspersed with your tweets and emails about that the video and my decision to post it and the fact that people were denouncing me, horrified, were also comments about the shooter and his politics. And the fact is. We know a fair amount about his politics, not because somebody went and looked him up, but because he included them in his 23-page manifesto about why he had chosen to become a murderer. And he had chosen to become a murderer in part because he perceived himself as a victim for being a gay black man. He said, this is about how the world has mistreated me, this racist homophobic world that I'm, I, he didn't use those words. Well, actually, he didn't use the word racist, but you know, that was his message. Racist, homophobic world. You drove me to this. This is all on you. That was part of his uh, message in his manifesto. In the suicide note, he claimed the cameraman he murdered complained to management about him. He also said he was a victim of racism and sexual harassment, suggesting he had been mistreated because he was a gay black man. He was a serial EEOC filer who went from job to job, had trouble at job to job, and then would say it's because I'm black or it's because I'm gay or it's because I'm both. And so this was this was how he viewed the world. And some of you seized upon that. And you said, essentially, hey, where's Black Lives Matter? Where's the political tumult? Someone tweeted out, and I think it, hit upon it very succinctly, a very clever tweet one of you sent. Uh, A gay black man just murdered two white people. What flag do we take down over that? Making the point that when Dylan Dirtbag Roof, won't use his name again, massacred nine people and he sent out a manifesto, not nearly as long and involved as this guy's, and he had a, one picture of him with a Confederate flag. The answer was the state of No, everybody had to take down the Confederate flags. Stone Mountain has to have its statues bar, blown off. Mississippi, Alabama, it, you can't have a high school with the name Rebels, all because one guy committed one horrific act. How is this different? And I didn't want to read that yesterday. I wasn't in the mood for Paul. I was still trying to process this murder and the, the eerie, scary world of social media murder. This is the ultimate invitation for copycat killings is for this guy to do this on video. So that's I was focusing on that. And I did not want this, you to drag your politics, anybody to drag their politics into this. I knew that President Obama and Mrs. Bill Clinton were going to drag gun control into that. We're going to get to that later. You know, that's going to happen. That's just where the world is right now. The gun control people are going to do that. Fine. But then something happened. Then I look in uh, uh, on a website and there, and it's a pro uh, Black Lives Matter website uh, set up specifically for, as they say in their website, POC, 
people of color. It's called the salad bowl. It's on the Kinja thread. You know, that's kind of a sub page of this bigger, broader web area. And so it's a conversation. And this is, uh, here, I'll just read it to you verbatim. And because the writer, the uh, a woman, uh, apparently, right now, he, the shooter, is on the run and police are trying to find him. I can understand him being frustrated with racial discrimination at his job, but it was not worth throwing his life over. I have a feeling he's going to commit suicide. Rest in peace to the victims, even though they may have been racist. Now, you heard from the context that when this is happening. This is when the guy is still alive. This is when the cops are still chasing him. When This is when the murder is as fresh as fresh can be. And this uh, Black Lives Matter website, the Salad Bowl, goes up with rest in peace to the victims, even though they may have been racist. I understand why the guy felt this way. He shouldn't throw his life away over it. His, his life. Then uh, it popped up in my Twitter feed a local uh, Twitterer from here in Atlanta who said... Um, uh, white people who, uh, no, that's not the, the one. I'm sorry. I've got, I've got a quite a, th- a thread of these saying essentially, uh, I stand with Bryce Williams. White people want to be silent on races, racism. This is what you're going to get. I stand with Vester Flanagan, AKA Bryce Williams. WD, and then he hashtags it with the killing hashtag. So everyone who's looking for news on the killing can see his, I stand with the killer. This is a local um, gentleman who, by the way, I've invited to come on the show. And, Eddie, if you're out there listening, the phone number is 844-404-1067. He followed that up with, the ancestors have spoken. Good job, Vester Flanagan. And those are just two of multiple examples. I'll put it this way. There are at least as many pro-Virginia dirtbag killer comments on social media as there were pro-Charleston massacre shooter messages. So that is the question. And we're uh, very fortunate, a writer who writes with The Root, another uh, uh, website and news source dedicated to covering issues involving black America. She's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. You do not want to miss that conversation. But uh, that is the question, 844-404-1067. What's the difference between the Charleston shooter and the Virginia shooter. What is the difference? Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Overnight, police descended on the suspect's apartment, concerned about bombs and booby traps. All this hours after a nightmare that began on live TV. Flanagan's anger had apparently been building since being fired two years ago from WDBJ, station where he and the victims worked. He had been ordered by WDBJ to get counseling, reprimanded by the station's management for berating a cameraman in public. The station citing him for, quote, aggressive body language when dealing with co-workers. I can tell you that he was probably the toughest termination we we ever had or that I was ever uh, involved in, and I won't go into details right now again, uh, out of deference to what's happening in, in Roanoke, but it was a it was a really tough termination. Uh, it was the only time I will tell you that uh, it was recommended that I have a police escort out of the building uh, in a termination procedure and, and did have it. Uh, he was actually 
uh, escorted by the Roanoke police out of the, the building because he was not going to, to leave uh, willingly uh, or under his own free will. So it was a, it was a tough situation. Good morning, it's 919. I am Michael Graham. Remember, you can reach me anytime by email, michael at michaelgram.com. I want to hear from you. Uh, so when you, you hear those stories of the problems that the v- Virginia shooter guy had about his, obviously, mental issues, anger, having to be escorted to the building, threatening the people as he left, I still think the most chilling uh, comment from all of this is when he told his coworker, "You better." He hands him a cross uh, and tells him, "You're gonna need it." I just, I'm like, "Wow, incredible!" To me, that was enough right there. What happened in Virginia yesterday? A mentally unstable, long time angry, unpleasant guy finally gave in to his worst feelings and uh, lashed out in violence. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. And that's enough. That's, that, that's, an, uh, that's, that's enough of the story for me. You see what I'm saying? That, that's, that answers everything. But I have to be honest. I have to admit the natural truth. Those of you who rose up and said, wait a minute. A couple months ago, Michael, you were back in Charleston where you used to live, and you were you know, broadcasting from this point of personal painful anguish because of the horrific murder at the downtown church right there in the peninsula. And the conclusion of America was that one guy over there with his hate-filled manifesto, he represents a whole bunch of other people. He's a stand-in from a whole bunch of other people. He was pictured with the Confederate flag. We have to take down the Confederate flag. We have to get rid of the running rebels. We have to make all kinds of dramatic changes because of that one guy, that one nutburger, who, by his own admission, one of the, the, the only bright point out of that horrific Charleston massacre was the shooter admitting in his little pathetic blog post, I couldn't even find any skinheads or KKK people to help me. Because they're not there, dude. Because so few people share your view of the world. And yet we had dramatic changes across the United States, didn't we? I think that's fair to say. 844-404-1067. So now you, many of you, have risen up to me and in the you know via new media and said, Michael, where why isn't the shooter in Virginia the Black Lives Matter equivalent of the shooter in Charleston? Why isn't he? Why can't we draw conclusions? Here's a guy who talked about race all the time. Here's a guy who uh, uh, claimed that racism was what was keeping him down, and he said, "I am lashing out because of race." Why isn't that an effect? At one point, he even went to a co- a black coworker. And uh, and laid out his worldview for him. You know, I just thought about this. Um, he did kind of approach me one day, and he was kind of like, "Us, we need to stick together." And then he insinuated that like the black people in the company need to watch out for each other. So he always had that racial awareness and the company, even though it didn't exist to my knowledge, to my experience of how the company was. So if you have a guy who's telling black coworkers we got to stick together. If there had been uh, uh, Dylan Roof had had a white coworker who had said Dylan said we got to stick together and white people rise up, it would have been part of the conversation. And yet, this hasn't been. And my question is why? At eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven, and more importantly, many of you asked the question why. 
Uh, there's uh, another aspect of the coverage that arises from the fact that this shooter was so unpleasant, so awful, had so many disgusting opinions that the media doesn't want to talk about. And I'll explain what I mean in just a second. But first, let's go to uh, Kazaron. Kazaron, am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah. Hey, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, first of all, um, I want to say congratulations on your great show, man. And let me get straight to it. They're talking about Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. only when there is a white on black crime. What about when there's black on black crime? Mm-hmm. And I'm a black guy. I grew up in New York. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and nothing has changed. Every time I turn on the news, it's some black person against black person, and there's no outcry. Where's the outcry for that? When are we going to stop killing each other and take responsibility for our own lives? You make a, a good point. The, the math is very, very clear. If you're a young black man, you are seven times more likely to be murdered than if you're a young white man. And there's a six a hundred percent times more likelihood that you were killed by another young black man. And that's tragic and that's real. But I want to ask you, but I want to ask you, but I want to ask you this. I don't think that most black Americans look at the anger that this shooter had, you know, his, you know, the America's so racist. That's the U S of KKKA. He says, you know, the Charleston shooting drove me to it. I got my gun two days after the Charleston shooting. I got a, I don't think most black Americans agree with that feeling. Do you think I'm right or am I wrong? You're right. You're right. That is a load of crap. Yeah. He needs to man man up. And and this is, thank you for the great call. I appreciate it. And this is my point. There are black Americans uh, who I hear from who tell me, look, Michael, we, w- we don't know how many white people agree with Dylan, t- you know, the killer out there in Charleston. How, you know, white people would, this is what they would do if they could get away with it. And I keep saying over and over again, almost none. Look at how we actually live together. White people, black people go to work and hanging out and you know, uh, uh, interracial dating and marriage continues to become more and more common. If you're in soccer boys generation, you don't even notice it. When your friends are dating someone who's not, you know, a different race, you don't even notice it anymore. That is the real America. And uh, and that's the message I want to try to get out. But it's hard because you've got the uh, angry white guy saying, look at what there's what's happened in America. The only person you can discriminate against is a white man. And then you got Black Lives Matter going, look, it's the U.S. of KKKA. And that, that seems to be the only two conversations anybody is having I think that this shooter was just a nut job. But I got to say, when people ask, why isn't he the Black Lives Matter version of Charleston, using the political rules that the Black Lives Matter people often use in public, I I think they make a legitimate point. Leah, you're on with Michael Graham. Thanks for the call. Good morning, Michael. You know, when I heard his name was Flanagan, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And then when they said Bryce Williams, I said, here we go. Because I knew that race was going to come into this when it really has no place in this right now. Now, to answer your question, the difference, I think, the main difference is that Bryce, whatever his name is, killed people that he had a personal vendetta against. He knew them. Mm -hmm. He claimed this is a crazy person who claimed any kind of discrimination. He was gay. Should gay people, you know, get behind this and say, oh, yeah, we we know how this feels? No. He was gay. He was black. He was Jehovah Witness. He claims everything across the board. 
So and he, he said that these people personally did something to him, and that's who he went and killed. Dylan Ruth killed some people, or if that is his name, killed mm-hmm. some people that he had no, no knowledge of whatsoever, sat down, worshiped with them, and prayed with them first. I think that's a big difference between the two. Both of them are crazy. You make and a great, one of them. You, you hit the nail on the head, the stranger. He went to kill because these people represented black people. This guy went to kill because he somehow thought that two years earlier he had been wronged and then threw race and, and et cetera into it. That's a great, great point. We've got to stop you there because we got news, we got traffic, and then a great conversation with a writer uh, from The Root website and some other uh, uh, black websites that, that, that uh, write material for black audiences. Uh, looking forward to this great In conversation. Suicide, Don't want to miss Flanagan expresses admiration for mass murderers, specifically the Columbine killers and the Virginia Tech shooter. And in one of his final callous gestures, a man claiming to be Flanagan called ABC News in New York at 10 a.m. and said he shot two people. At one point in the suicide note, Flanagan said that after the Charleston church shooting, Jehovah God spoke to him. It's 936. I am Michael Graham. One other odd point about uh, the shooter in Virginia. In November 2012, he was at a polling booth during the election covering the election for his local TV station. He wore an Obama for president sticker, which is both against the law from a voting standpoint and obviously not something a journalist would do. So when people say, Michael, there are clearly politics surrounding this shooting, at least uh, the individual shooter's politics. He spoke out about uh, racist America and the bias against gay people. He, you know, promoted his politics. Why isn't this shooter the Dylan Roof of Black Lives Matter? You've asked me that question. I've got some ideas, but I thought we'd get somebody much smarter than myself. Lauren Victoria Burke is a writer and political analyst. She's the editor, uh, managing editor of Politic 365, and you see her on TV all the time. Lauren, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Michael. So that's been my part of my Twitter feed the last 24 hours is what flag are we going to take down now in response to this shooting? What, what would you say to those people are the key differences? Well, I would say the key difference, obviously, is just American history. Uh, we've had uh, in our history, uh, going back, 150 years, we've had more incidents of racial violence where white males have been the perpetrator against blacks. And when you know that history, you'd understand that why people would make a pattern and a correlation between that and the activity of Dylan Roof. Uh, But anytime we get into any sort of racial generalities in the United States, white or black, we get into trouble. I mean, you can't ascribe the behavior of one person. I mean, sitting here knowing that we have 90 million white males in the country, uh, you can't ascribe the activities of, you know, James Holmes or Adam Lanza or any of these mass killers to all white males. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I would say that if you look at the stats and the numbers, white males are over-indexed for mass shooting. Uh, and it's rare that we see a black male mass killer. Uh, but still, with 20 million black males in the country, mm-hmm. I don't know that we should be ascribing the behavior of Vester Flanagan to all of them. So. When we get into these uh, racial generalizations, whether they be white or black, it's problematic. We're talking to the managing editor of Politic 365, Lauren Victoria Burke. Here's the conversation, and maybe this is because I grew up in South Carolina and lived in Charleston, and I do talk radio in the South. Here, here was the conversation. Dylan, uh, what's his face, Got he had a picture taken with a Confederate flag. He wrote this idiotic, you know, anti-black screed, and he 
was somehow an indicator, a, you know, if not for all white Southerners, for a significant number of white Southerners. And so there was a lot of conversation. I think we can agree on that, Lauren. There was a lot of that kind of projection out. Yes, and there were a lot of, and there were a lot of, you know, white people who, in the South who kind of regretted, resented it. They're like, what the heck? What are you talking about? I think he's a dirtbag too. And now they're coming back and saying, well, wait a minute. We hear a lot of the same rhetoric in the Black Lives Matter movement that we heard in this guy's 23 page nonsense. Why not do the same thing? Well, because, you know, and I know this is not a history that we're, we're taught on a formal basis in either high school or college. Mm-hmm. But if you do look at the history of racial murders in the United States, they are usually perpetrated by white males against blacks. In the case of lynchings in the South, for example, between 1877 and 1950, uh, there was literally like 4,000 black people murdered. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm not saying that Dylan Roof is sitting there saying to himself, literally, you know, studying the racist past sure. of the United States and then, and then going out and doing this. But there's certainly a more of a pattern of murder. Right. But I guess it's the ideas that people are wondering about. For example, there have been a couple of people on the interwebs. And let's face it, as you point out, there's a gazillion people. So you, you, you right, take one right. idiot, whatever. But there have been some people. There's a local Atlanta guy who said, I stand with the shooter. You know, white people don't understand if you ignore racism, you're going to get this. Someone else posted, I guess I'm sorry that they're dead, even though they are probably racist. And when you listen to some of the Black Lives Matter rhetoric that seems to be focused on an un crossable divide between the races in other words it's all we can have is team play and everyone's just got to fight for their own team is it fair to say that that kind of conversation leads to actions the same way that people say well look at dylan roof he got poisoned by white supremacy and he went off and did it and all you white supremacists you're responsible well yeah i would agree with you on the fact that black lives matter has this meme going uh about whiteness and the, the uh there's sort of a, uh, I think, a preoccupation there with, quote, whiteness and white, white behavior. And, and again, anytime we talk about race, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the NAACP or anybody else, we have to be very careful not to generalize millions of people. I mean, we're a country of 320 million people. And you're, ba- you're bound to have somebody who's, who's crazy, yep. uh, particularly when you have 310 million guns sitting around, that's going to be uh, pull a Jared Loeffner or Vester Flanagan. And I, you see, you know, the problem is in our media, we don't, we don't do the wide angle very well. Mm-hmm. Look at the media, particularly local media, and I don't care where you are in the country, we accentuate the murders that happen. Right. And particularly if it's a white-on-black murder or a black-on-white murder. And really, that's really, really rare. It's rare that a white person kills a black person. It's really rare that a black per- person kills a white. You know, it right. just happens. You know, it's, mm-hmm. racial murder does not happen. So you're, I, I agree with you. Black Lives Matter does have that theme. I am disappointed, frankly, that the NAACP didn't run to the computer yesterday and put out a statement on how any sort of, you know, racial motivated murder, no matter who it is and what color, is something that we all have to stand against and is wrong. I mean, I think we're, we're running out of time. I want to, I've got one last big question for you. And I'm going to do that thing that white people do all the time that I assume drives black people crazy. I don't know. I'm going to designate you the official voice of all black America. Okay. So right, Lauren official. Victoria Burke, you are now emperor of black America. I'm looking, I, I'm a guy who keeps, and, and a lot of my listeners are frustrated with me. I keep pointing out, it is harder to be black in America than it is to be white. Policing right. tactics that we've used the last 20 years have created legitimate anger. I mean, if, you, if you're getting pulled over all the time and five cops show up and you see your white neighbor and he gets pulled over rarely and it's one dopey chubby guy with a donut saying, here's your ticket. It, these, are, these are legitimate problems. 
The problem I can't find is when I approach Black Lives Matter, and I've been to some of the rallies here in Atlanta, whatever, what I hear is kill the pigs or, you know, you're all you're all suck. I mean, so as the designated emperor of black world, what is something that I, the self-declared head of white world, what is something we could do together to actually make things better? Not win political points either way, but make things better. Is there something we could come together on? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of uh, communities already do this. I mean, the community policing piece where cops go into the community and discuss the problems of the community with the residents is a huge mm-hmm. factor. And a lot of departments already do that. And as somebody who's the daughter of a law enforcement officer, you know, I love cops. I've got a lot of cops in my family. Mm-hmm. And basically it is conversation. There is a culture in policing of authority and, you know, do what I say. And if you don't right. do what I say, there's going to be... I mean, we, we, we all know that. We all know, understand that. We see the statistics with regard to use of deadly force in African-Americans. But, you know, what would fix the problem, of course, is a reach, reaching out on both sides. You know, I don't think it's right to be at a rally. I don't care who it is. And be talking about hurting somebody else, whether it's somebody in a police, office, a police uniform or not. Right. That's, that's some talk is just wrong. So, you know, I think Black Lives Matter, you know, we see these videos come out. They've sort of caught a, caught a wave of, of that, you know, bad activity that we don't like seeing. But I think they could do better on that front of just the, the reach out piece to law enforcement and have some really deep conversations about these issues, which do take place in a lot of American communities. Lauren Victoria Burke, the website is politic365.com, 365.com, which I'll be checking out now regularly. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you. Lauren Victoria Burke, I'm Michael Graham. Michael Graham now, and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. In fact, now we're learning the police were not only called, they had to physically lift this shooter out of his chair to escort him out of the building. Then, as he was walking out of the uh, actual newsroom, he handed a small wooden cross on his desk to a manager and said, you'll need this. So this is the first indication we have that there was any kind of contact uh, between uh, one of the victims here and this shooter. Hands him a crucifix and says, you're going to need this. 844-404-1067. Welcome. I'm Michael Graham. We're talking, obviously, about the the shooting in Virginia and about the many, many problems with this guy uh, and uh, what they tell us about his motive. And, and do they tell us anything about anything else? You know, my premise from the shooting in Charleston was all we learned from the shooting in Charleston is that the South is so devoid of overt racists that this one overt racist couldn't find anyone to help him. Now, the mainstream media and others took a very different message. They said, look, this is, you know, the Confederate flag caused him to do it. And he was inspired by the racism in South Carolina and in the South as a whole and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, that's just crap. This is a one nutburger who couldn't find other nutburgers to join him. There's no conclusion to draw here. But for those of you who are conclusion drawers, I say that. As an accusation, you accuser drawers, you, you drawers of, accus- of, of conclusions. Why wouldn't you draw conclusions then from the shooting in Virginia? A guy who mentions in his manifesto race, how he was inspired by the Charleston shooting. I'm going to fight back and kill. He mentions his sexual orientation, I, my struggles as a gay man. This is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm giving it back to society. How about the fact that he was wearing an Obama for president sticker on his lapel 
while he was covering the elections at a polling place. That's pretty, I mean, from a journalism standpoint, I don't even think MSNBC, well, I don't know. They would probably wear, they'll probably be wearing Hillary for president stickers in November of 2016. I, I, but that's out there. And yet no, no conclusions to be drawn. Now, once again, I agree with you. There are no conclusions to be drawn. Everything you need to know about that guy is the, I left, he left a crucifix in the guy's hands. You're going to need this. I mean, he is clearly a nut, a nut burger. And this is, this is about mental illness, mental offness from beginning to end for me at 844-404-1067. But you have to, we have to admit, if we're going to tell the natural truth, if this shooter had been a straight white guy, the coverage the story's getting will be completely different. Have you noticed how much coverage there is of the two victims? Have you noticed that? And it's great. I mean, they were wonderful people and young, and it's, it is heartbreaking. But there has been almost nonstop coverage of the victims. Compare that to the coverage in Charleston. Yes, there, was, there were nine victims, and there was a fair amount of coverage of them, particularly the state senator who was killed. But overwhelmingly, the coverage was on the shooter. Look at that guy. Look at him. Look at his picture. Look at his flag. Look at his Rhodesian jacket. Uh, This time it's nine. There's 90% coverage of the victim, 10% coverage of the shooter versus 75% of the coverage of the shooter in Charleston. Let me ask you this. What if this straight white guy who killed two people had been wearing a McCain sticker or in 2012, a Romney sticker, and it was and was uh, told by his uh, boss, look, you, you can't cover these political events on the election day wearing a Romney for president sticker. Can you imagine? Oh my! What if he'd been at a Trump rally? Holy crap! The top of the media's head would blow off. There'd be a mushroom crowd of brain brain matter over Chris Matt. Well, okay, it's Chris Matthews. There'd be a tiny little mushroom cap of brain matter because it's all he had spread around. I'm sorry uh, for those of you who say, Michael, come on, don't make something political out of this. I don't want to. This isn't about politics. This is about one guy. But the problem I have is explaining to the people who've been trashed, typical white guys in the South, particularly conservatives, who've been trashed, explaining to them why, no, 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 don't do what just happened to you over and over and over again. 844-404-1067 is the phone number. Laverne, you are on the air. I appreciate your call. Go right ahead. No. Hi, Laverne. Hi. Take it away. You're on the air. I'm sorry. No, my thing is, I my heart goes out. But, however, what is it that they want us to do? We don't have a flag to take down, an African-American flag to take down. Mm-hmm. Is there a gay flag to take down? Because what you're saying <laughs> is, when this gentleman, this white gentleman did this in South Carolina, right. uh, they had to take down the flag. Right. In other words, okay. it said something about white people as a whole. So my question is, does this guy say something about black people as a whole? So what is it you want us to do? Because we don't have anything what, that we – what do you want us to do? Here's because- what I would like – well, first of all, us makes me nervous because here's what I want all of us Americans to do. Mm-hmm. I want us to acknowledge – Dylan Roof didn't say anything about white America. He was just a lone nutburger. This guy is just a lone kook. That there are lone people there that, in fact, Americans, white and black and Hispanic and Asian, get along pretty darn well. 
the vast majority okay, of the time. But at the same token, this was a personal vendetta. This mm. wasn't nothing where it had something to do. I feel that was something personal on his mm-hmm. part. It had nothing to do that I'm going out there and shoot up white, uh, you know, sure. casters and things like that. It was more as it was a personal right. thing. Whereas the gentleman in South Carolina, that was more right. of He didn't I even know him. He didn't, he didn't know who he was shooting. That's a good point. But remember, the shooter himself in this case put race in his, you know, in, in his claim. He mentioned that it was the shooting in Charleston that – inspired him and so what i'm hoping is that maybe while our minds are open for a few minutes we can all grasp the hey stuff just happens this isn't necessarily about a bigger broader issue stuff just happens and that's the lesson that should be learned by everybody including the guy here in atlanta who's listening right now hi eddie who tweeted out that he stands with the shooter because as long as U.S. of KKKA doesn't admit you're all a bunch of racists, then this is the violence you deserve. Dude, we're not. America isn't a country full of racists. It's just not. It's a country full of imperfect people because nobody's perfect. And are there some racists? Of course there are. But, man, this nation is in so much better shape than some people on both fringes want us to believe. 844-404-1067. When we come back, okay, guns. You want to talk about guns? You want to talk about gun laws? We got that going, too. David Harsani with The Federalist is going to join us with the truth about gun crime. Good morning. It's 10.05 at News Radio 1067. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show. So glad that you are here for the natural truth. It's the way the world really works. It's a conversation at the grown-up table. It's easy to scream, you know, take away the guns on one side and shoot everybody on the other side. It's so easy to have the juvenile conversation. People pick on white people. People pick on black people. That's the, that's the kids' table. And, you know, they have their fun at the kids' table, but... After you've heard your cousin uh, fart the national anthem with his armpit 27 times, you're done. You want to go to the grown-ups table. That's what I learned when I was a kid growing up in Peelian, South Carolina. I learned that my while they kept sending me to the kids' table because that's where the supposed fun was, my Aunt Lib and my Uncle Bobby and my mom and dad, they were all having these fascinating conversations about S.E., you know what, and interesting people and real live uh, fascinating stories and so I think that the grown-ups are having more fun, and I'm I'm trying to weasel my way into that conversation. Thank you for letting me in at 844-404-1067. You can also find me on uh, Twitter at I am M. Graham. No uh, confession hotline again today. I just with the the deaths hangovers, I just don't feel comfortable with that. But it's it's still open. You can still call 404. 404- 436-2007. And we'll kind of do a mega end-of-the-week confession hotline tomorrow and give away some Braves tickets. We do that uh, around 11.45 most days. But we'll be giving away free lunch today, absolutely, uh, at uh, 10.35. Uh, we'll be sending you to Community Smith, part of the Taste of Atlanta celebration coming up. Your chance to win free lunch. And the lunch line, what we do is we give you a line from the show, a piece of audio, whatever. If you can finish the line, you win free lunch. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, Within minutes, literally 
within minutes of the news of the shooting yesterday, Mrs. Bill Clinton had gone out on Twitter to say, time for more laws on guns. And I'm not surprised. It's what politicians do. I don't even particularly begrudge her for doing that. I mean, you know, you have a political cause you believe in. Politics is a game of opportunity. I mean, look, Donald Trump. Donald Trump's campaign was launched when that illegal immigrant in California who had been repeatedly released murdered that poor woman while she was standing there. He connected our passion over that outrage, which is legitimate, to a a policy that he advances, which is, you know, actually securing the borders. So this is going to happen. You know, it is just like when you see an incident where a guy is at a restaurant and some troublemaker comes in with a gun and the law-abiding citizen brandishes his and the bad guy goes away. That news story, people pick it up and talk about it, and they should. So, so I'm, I don't, I don't begrudge the fact that people with a political agenda seize on moments of political opportunity. That's called once again, that's the grown-up table. We get that that's going to happen. But I have, and I've done this before. We'll do it again. My phone number is eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. I am throwing the door open to Mrs. Bill Clinton or President Obama. Or anybody else, uh, I'm throwing it open to Governor Terry McAuliffe of Virginia. If you have a real law that would actually prevent crimes like Virginia, Chattanooga, etc., I want to hear from you. Goes back to what I've talked about for a long time. There are too many guns in the hands of people. Guns. This is why I've long advocated for background checks. I'm a gun owner. I'm a hunter. But you know what? I went through background checks myself to get it. Um, we, we've got to, in America, we've got to come together. There is too much gun violence in the United States of America. Well, look, uh, too much gun violence, any gun violence is too much gun violence. Can't dispute that. The question is, Governor McAuliffe, would your proposal actually stop it? Would it have prevented Charleston from happening? And the answer is no. Uh, the people, the, the, the shooter yesterday applied for his gun and gun permit and everything two days after Charleston, and he was cleared. He got it. Dylan Roof legally bought a gun, and he got it. Uh, 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 no amount no of background checks would have stopped Sandy, Sandy Hook, where the guy took his mother's guns and went in and killed the kids at the school. His mother, completely lawfully licensed gun owner. Background checks would not have prevented these crimes. So I'm throwing the door open to everybody at 844-404-1067. If you have a gun restriction, a gun law, gun control measure that you that will actually prevent these, I'm listening. I'm open to any of them. I support the Second Amendment. I do. But I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not a gun guy. I, I, don't, I don't freak out about guns. I don't walk around with a gun on me. I'm not like some of these people who kind of, they sound like they kind of lay in their bed. Oh, my gun. Oh, I'm stroking my gun. I'm so happy now. That's, that's not me. I'm open to it. But you're going to have to, but before the conversation can start, though, about how do you balance the Second Amendment and, and security, et cetera, you got to show me that your idea will work. And one little tip from me, your pal, Michael Graham, If you're going to talk to me about gun violence, please know what the hell you're talking about. Um, Here's Josh Earnest yesterday at the White House. Once again, within minutes of us finding out what happened in this case. The precise details of that incident continue to be under investigation. Uh, But as you've heard me say in the past, uh, this 
is another example uh, of gun violence that is becoming all too common in communities large and small. Is becoming all too common. In other words, it's getting worse. It's becoming. It's on the rise. It's becoming a you know, more, more frequent thing. That is Josh Ernest, spokesperson for the White House. President Obama has said the same thing. I was watching CNN last night, and they had a, uh, an author on who said, gun crime is out of control. It's on the rise. Mass shootings are on the rise. No. No, they're not. In fact, uh, the, the percentage of people murdered by guns has gone down by half, by 50 percent, half since 1993. That's the natural truth. Um, the number of people being killed by guns has been going straight down, even though the number of people has been going up. You know what I mean? I mean, the population is growing. We have more people and yet fewer people are dying in gun violence. The general trend for mass shootings is down. It kind of, it, it, there's so few of them, it kind of goes up and down. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, there is no surge in mass shootings. That is not true. And all of this comes at a time where the number of people who own guns and the number of guns owned is hugely larger. This is not my opinion. I, I, I do a lot of opinion. I'll tell you my opinion in a heartbeat. Facts. The number of guns since 1993 has more than doubled. The population has gone up by tens of millions. And yet the rate of gun murders and the number of gun murder, murders has gone down. The rate is down by 50%. So if you want me to join you, I'm, I'm open. I am not a knee-jerk. You're not going to hear me say, Second Amendment, that's it. I don't, people just got to die. They just got to die. I'm, that's not me. I'm open to reasonable gun restrictions. You just got to show me that, number one, you're not going to lie about what's going on. And number two, you have a solution. We're going to run this approach by David Harsani with The Federalist, who wrote a great piece about this yesterday. And, of course, take your calls at 844-404-1067. If you support, quote, tougher gun laws, if you support, quote, common sense gun laws like President Obama, tell me the law that you support that would have stopped the Charleston murder or the Virginia murder. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Welcome back to The Natural Truth with me, Michael Graham. Delighted to welcome back to the show David Harsani with The Federalist, who I've been stalking over the interwebs for years now, David. And David, you had some great stuff yesterday about the truth about gun crime versus what we're being told in the wake of the Virginia shootings. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. When anything like this happens, you know, everyone starts shouting at each other in, in the typical way that we've come, you know, we're, we're used to. And, and but, but I think the left often throws out these scary statistics about gun violence, which are, which are all true but without context. You know, firearm deaths and just general crime with the use of a firearm have fallen in, in, in huge numbers since, since the 90s. So I think that that's something worth keeping in mind when people like... Nicholas Kristof write a column about gun violence, and you know it's just to keep it in some context. Obviously, the technology of social media and this sort of thing makes it more horrifying because we're right there, obviously, with with the shooting that happened yesterday. So that changes our perception, but 
you know, it's important to look at numbers as well. And uh, when you have a 50% decline in gun homicides from 1993 to 2013, that's pretty astonishing. You're not going to hear that reported. In fact, on CNN, they tell you the opposite. I was watching the coverage yesterday, David, and people were saying, gun crime is way up. Mass shootings are way up. And both of those things are false. But right. all- it's like a hockey stick graph, basically. <laughs> exactly. The last it's few years. Michael Mann of, uh, of the left. <laughs> but David Hassani with the Federalist, here's my... Uh, my concern, particularly after Sandy Hook, you could see, you could feel the anger, the frustration of Americans horrified by dead children in a school because one nutburger gets guns and goes in and kills them. And the only answer that my fellow Second Amendment supporters seem to have is, well, you just got to die. Nothing you can do about it. You just got to die. And I'm my my belief is that at some point there's going to be either a culmination of violent attacks or there's going to be one particularly profound attack where that argument, if if it even is an argument, it fails. Is that really all that Second Amendment supporters can say is people just got to die while they're taping TV shows because America? I, I don't know if anyone actually says it like that, but I mean, in some sense. But that is the argument. The argument is there's nothing you can do. America's a nation that owns guns, so you're going to have random gun violence, and there's not, literally not a thing anyone can do to mitigate any of the problems. Well, I, you know, obviously there's something you can do. I mean, I, I think maybe we, we shouldn't only be looking at guns. Obviously, I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, at, 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 are we helping people with their mental health problems in the way that we should be? But, I mean, I think that you would probably admit that there's no way we can really stop a, a, a crazy person from murder, murdering um, people unless we shoot them before they do it. And obviously we can't have everyone walking around with guns or obviously most people don't want to. But I think in some sense, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in some sense, yes, there's always going to be crime. Um, and if you're going to have guns and be a free country where people can have guns, guns are going to get into the hands of wrong people occasionally. But here's the deal. Every time someone says to me, we need gun laws, I reply right back. Okay, tell me. Tell me a gun law that would have stopped this shooting or stopped the Chattanooga shooting or stopped the Charleston massacre. And you always get back humana, 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 because they don't have any ideas. They, well, I, I when agree. you came in out, they always end up with Australia. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they exactly right. The, that, that was, yeah, they had the, to be you know, mandatory. Yeah, <laughs> the, only, the only proposal that will work, and it's the one that President Obama supports, he just will never admit it publicly, is total confiscation. I agree with you. But the point is, obviously, they're not going to say that, so you ask for a solution. They don't have one. And that's unsatisfying. Yeah, but but ha- you also said that we can't just simply say people right, but here's, will die. This is so my point. This is my point. P- politically, do you see the risk if the Second Amendment team only has the answer of peop- your kids just have to die sometimes, that that's going to become an unsatisfying answer? And eventually the kooks, who you and I know, want to take away all the guns, they'll be the ones leading reform because the the Second Amendment people will have have thus far opted out of the debate. Their answer is to stick their fingers in the air and say, no, 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 you can't do anything, no, no, no. Well, one day, David, that's not going to work. Right, and I think that you know all the gun owners I know, and I, I'm you know I know a bunch, mm-hmm. are really responsible folks. I mean, exactly. they take it seriously and all of that. I mean, I think what you, there are smaller things you can do. You can make sure to prosecute people who do break the laws that we have. Okay. You can you can try to help. You know, to to make the case that we need better, you know, care for the mentally ill and people, you know, especially that sort of time where where younger people start to go nuts, like the shooter in Denver and so forth. But I don't really have good solutions. That's the truth. I don't know. There's not a solution for everything. And, and it's a tough spot. 
and, and you know, they want to confiscate guns. I don't want them to. I, they make me nervous. I worry about the slippery slope of anything they want to do with guns. And I think a lot of Americans are that way. And then we're stuck in this debate that, that, that never really changes. Well, but events are going to change it is my problem. This is what I'm trying to warn my fellow gun supporters. <laughs> There's a landmine out there, and one day some kook, some nut is going to do something so horrific that the 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 political will in the motion will overrun the the constitution and will be screwed. But you mentioned one thing, and I know you got to wrap up here. Mental health. I think that's an area where it would be very smart for Second Amendment defenders to craft a model for. Here is a smart way so that if somebody has mental problems, it somehow gets flagged. Not so that they lose their Second Amendment rights. But maybe they have to go through a second screening. It's, you know, there's another bump. If, you know, if X, Y, and Z happen, whatever it is, you're prescribed a certain particularly strong medication or you've been institutionalized by the state, then something happens. And the problem is, Dave, when I suggest this, the, the immediate blowback I get is, no, no gun laws, none. And I, and then there's the landmine right there. Well, let me be crazy right now with you. I mean, I agree with you. Theoretically, that would be a great idea. Yeah. Problem is, then we start giving the power to courts to decide who, you know, if I go into, a, you know, I'm depressed, I go to the hospital, right. you know, or I go for some help for a few days, the next thing you know, I can never have a gun again. That worries me as well. But I mean, yes, theoretically, I'm, I'm with you. I think that that sort of law makes sense to me. Um, but you know, as you said, that the left really, in the end, just wants to confiscate yes, guns. So that's why people are nervous about laws like and, that. Uh, and my argument is, if we inoculate ourselves with some smart, reasonable measures today, they would have to be carefully crafted, but you know, smart people can figure that out, that, that's, that's a better strategy than to just simply hunker down and wait for the inevitable uh, earthquake because you know it's coming. It almost came at Sandy Hook. You know it's coming, and I would hate to see America end up with draconian gun laws and the Second Amendment people going, oh, no, what happened? Well, what happened is you didn't get in the fight to create solutions, and now you're stuck. I think you're right, but I also think even if you did create solutions, that wouldn't stop the left from trying to Oh, no, to no, I agree with you, but the problem yeah. isn't the left. They're the kooks. The problem is the great middle that has, you know, they, they have two feelings. One is, yeah, they think you ought to be able to defend yourself. Yeah, they really don't like how guns make them feel icky. And so that's that <laughs> great group in the middle are the ones that I think we need to reach out with by showing responsibility and some proactivity. But we'll see. David Harsani, by the way, The Federalist has become one of my new favorite websites since you guys launched uh, relatively recently. I'm loving it. Keep up the great work. Thank you. We're honored. Thank you. Good morning. It's 1034. I am Michael Graham. So glad that you are here. Don't forget, we give away free lunch in about an hour in the lunch line. Send you to Community Smith, Midtown Atlanta's Modern Meadery. That's coming up. The phone number is 844-404-1067. So you heard David Harsani from The Federalist. He opposes any new gun control laws, any, period, because he says, Michael, the left is just going to, they want to take away all our guns, and so you can't give them an inch. He's right about the left wanting to take away our guns. That is what President Obama wants to do. That's what Mrs. Bill Clinton wants to do. If they had the power, they would confiscate every gun owned by every private citizen in America. You're absolutely right. And the vast majority of Americans oppose that position. But you saw how Mrs. Bill Clinton and President Obama jumped right out after the shooting in Virginia, as they did after the shooting in Charleston, after the shooting everywhere, to say, we got to get our, you know, we got to push 
uh, quote, tough new gun control laws. They're going to keep pushing. How many of you agree with me at 844-404-1067 that one day the day is going to come where there's some nut who commits some crime so emotionally moving that a majority of Americans say, screw it, screw you gun people. We're, 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 we're with Obama now. We're going to you know, do something drastic. That's the day I fear. And so I have two things that motivate me. I want responsible gun owners to come up with some reasonable gun laws that would actually do some good. Because what President Obama's proposing literally will not do any good. And the second reason is I'm tired of people dying too. I know it's inevitable. I'm, you know, once again, this is the grown up table. I get it. We live in a dangerous world full of dangerous people. Bad people are going to find a way to kill you, to hurt you. That's who they are. The problem is character, it's not the inanimate object sitting on their desk. It's their character in their heart. So, but I am still sick of it. And if there's something we could do that could protect the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens to maintain those protections and still stop some crimes from occurring, sign me up. And I think the area that shows the most promise for doing some good is mental illness. The nut burger in Louisiana who shot the theater was a nut. There's evidence of nuttery. He had been had problems with nuttery. And you've seen this. The loony out in Colorado who shot the movie theater. <laughs> All you got to do is look at his picture and you can tell he's nuts. But he was nuts. He'd been nuts for years. So I think that's the area of compromise. Many of you at 844-404-1067 are with David. You don't want any compromise. Forget it. Screw it. Do you at least acknowledge that that's a dangerous position to be in? When your only answer to grieving parents who've seen their kids gunned down in a school is, well, some kids just got to die because I got to have my Second Amendment. When your only answer to a grieving dad whose daughter was killed at a movie theater is, well, sorry, but my Second Amendment is so important to me, she just has to be dead. That's a, an argument that can be defended. There is, a, there is logic in that. But we don't live in a logocracy. We live in a democracy. The people are going to speak. And so on behalf of maybe some dead people who don't have to be dead and on behalf of the Second Amendment, which I support, it is time for the pro-Second Amendment people to get into this conversation quick. 844-404-1067. Lead with the facts. Gun crime is already going down. Gun ownership is already way up. The people who own guns lawfully are wildly responsible. They are incredibly responsible with how they do their guns. The problem is criminals and crazy people. 844-404-1067 is my number. Delighted to hear from you, starting with George. George, you are on the air. Thank you, Michael, and good morning to you. Uh, Michael, I disagree with what you just said a few minutes ago with your interview regarding the fact that, uh, that you said that uh, the Second pe- Second Amendment people are always saying that, uh, well, we all have to die sometime. Or, well, you know, it's all what you're saying you know, is people, people are just going to die. That's just what's going to happen. Live with it. My Second Amendment rights are too important. You just have to be dead. 
Right, and I disagree with that because uh, I, I don't know a single person, and I do mean this literally. I don't know a single person who's ever said that. I don't know if you were using hyperbole, just yeah, make well, a point I'm or anything like that. The, I'm summarizing, but I'd be willing to bet that's your position. Your position is that some people just have to die in a free society that has the Second Amendment, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, Michael, like uh, John Adams said, our Constitution was made for a religious and moral people. I want to emphasize that, religious and moral people. You okay. want the solution to the problem, you go to the heart of the problem. You mm-hmm. go to the hearts of man. Unless you change the hearts of man, the greatest book ever written says that. Unless you change the hearts of man, you will not change the actions of man. This man was a deranged lunatic yep. who was in it. So for the long haul, he had rage in his heart. Unless you change his heart, you will not change anything. It was either going to be that lady and that cameraman or somebody else eventually because that man was a lunatic. Now, that's not my problem. I'm sorry. That is not my problem. All I can do is defend my family with my Second Amendment right to use deadly de- uh, defense against somebody who's going to attack me. Would it be him or somebody else? Now, that doesn't mean that just because the left says we need to uh, control guns and, and have better uh, uh, arms control, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, we have to change the Constitution. Like I said, the Constitution was made for religious and moral people. But, George, Amer- America is America today. And so unless you have a plan to change the hearts of people, I don't know how that's relevant. Unless you have a policy you know, that can do that. But I think, I think George did a great job laying it out. The other dead people out there who are killed by crazies, that's not his problem. And I agree. Look, your your argument is totally legit. I understand. You're making a rational case. It's like my libertarian friends. So and this is why pot should, Look, I get it completely. This is why everyone should have heroin at home in a dispenser. Okay, there you go. But you do understand that in the democracy, people get to vote on this stuff. And if your only answer is your dead daughter isn't my problem, you know what they're eventually going to say? The fact that you have less votes than me isn't my problem. I'm going to vote you out. I'm going to change the law. Screw you. And so is this, this isn't just, you know, Michael Graham's bleeding heart liberal. It's, hey, I'm trying to be smart here. I like the Second Amendment. I like the fact that it gives the citizens power against their government, which is what the Second Amendment is about. It ain't about hunting. I love the fact that weak people who are good, can protect themselves from bad people who are strong. I love that. But uh, I'm trying to be smarter about how we protect it over time. Terry is on News Radio 1067. Hello, Terry. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Doing fine. Um, look, uh, on this, uh, this conversation you got, you know, evil, evil's been here since the beginning of time. Yep. You know, when Adam and Eve came, came killed evil. Came killed evil. You know, we're going to have evil... There's going to be evil people. If you take away the guns from the people that legitimately can have the right to have them mm-hmm. and use them, then all the people are going to have guns criminals. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be mass, you know, widespread mm-hmm. murder and stuff because nobody's going to be able to protect right. themselves uh, at that time. Uh, also, if you take away the guns, then they're going to pick up the next best thing, which is knives or any other mm-hmm. weapon that can actually kill people. I mean, you're not going to stop. People from doing evil right. stuff to other people. So I'm going to be clear. Let me be clear. I'm sure I understand, Terry. So your answer to the families of people who have dead children in movie theaters is they're just going to be dead. Nothing we can do about it. No, there is something that we can do about it. What's that? It. You know, back during the 1800s and before, when everybody carried guns, back during we had horses and stuff, if you mm-hmm. was a... Uh, you was committed of a crime, they'd hang you on the courthouse steps. Well, the problem is, over a period of time, 
people have rights, and of course these uh, lobbyists have pushed for certain rights and stuff. So when you do, when you do uh, take a person in uh, in front of a court and they're found guilty of something, then they got it better in jail than we've got it on outside. So okay, I, I got to go because we got to go to traffic right here. But I just want to be sure I understand. So your solution is the 1880s. Your solution is the Wild West. The solution is everybody strap a hog leg on and head out because you're going to buy some bread and it's all on you. Once again, you can make that rational argument that there should be no police. I understand that's the the true anarchist libertarian vision is that there are no police, no government at all. It's everybody out there just doing what they can to protect themselves. But how many votes do you think you're going to get for that? If the American people have to choose between taking away your Second Amendment rights or living with you got to walk around with a gun and defend yourself because it sucks to be you – how do you think the majority of Americans are going to vote? And that's how laws are created, by voting. Not by arguing, by voting. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. The relationship with guns in America is extremely complex and I think it's difficult for people around the world to, to, to understand the, their amendment right to hold a gun and certainly a number of people have now expressed, certainly having seen the chilling footage, having seen the point of view from the gunman, perhaps that they have changed their mind. However, it is unlikely to change the way that the gun lobby it controls certain parts of America. President Barack Obama has expressed his frustration over his inability to push through laws to tighten gun laws. It's 1049. I am Michael Graham. That's the BBC's reporter here in America explaining to the rest of the world our gun laws. And you just heard how wrong she is. The gun lobby controls us. No, majority of Americans support the Second Amendment. Americans think they have the right to carry under the Second Amendment. No, Americans do have the right to own guns. This is the world that many people live in, a world where they don't know a lot about guns. They buy the crap that they hear from the White House, the lies from the Obama administration that gun crime is up, that um, mass shootings are up. That's just not true. That's the real world. They honestly believe that. So one thing you can do is educate people. That's why I do the natural truth every day. The other thing, too, is acknowledge that while people support gun rights, the the majority, the great, you know, kind of mushy middle of America, they also think guns make them feel icky and they hate these mass shootings and these tragic killings. And if you craft the poll question right, you can say, as President Obama does, 90 percent of Americans want common sense gun laws, depending on how you define them. So the gauntlet is down for two or the door is open, I should say, for two groups. For those of you who are with the president and want common sense gun laws, I, Michael Graham, a Second Amendment supporter, am willing to entertain any gun law. You tell me what you want. All I ask is you just have to show how it will prevent the next Virginia or Charleston or Chattanooga. You tell me that, I'm willing to talk. On the other side, pro today people who think you can stick your fingers in your ears and just go, blah, 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 Second Amendment, Second Amendment, blah, 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 you just have to die, you just have to die, blah, 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 blah. Well, the American people are going to put up with that for so long. There's going to be an incident that changes their opinion. And if you don't have something to offer, then they're just going to push you aside and they're going to do real damage to the Second Amendment. Frank is on News Radio 1067. Thanks for the call, Frank. Take it away. Not a problem, Michael. Um, thanks for your comment. I just wanted to let everyone know that technically you're wasting your breath, to be totally honest with you. Really? 
Um, yeah, because basically there's not going to be any type of extinction level event inside of the United States. If you can pass Columbine, if you can pass Sandy Hook, there's not going to be anything that's going to tickle anyone to say, okay, look, we may need to go back and revisit these gun laws, period, across the board. Because basically, if you say that you're going to address anything that's going to repeal or address the Second Amendment, Mm -hmm. it's going to automatically go back to the first. So say, for example, the same person that you're saying, like, well, you know, we need to go back and take a a mental screen as far as seeing if they were prescribed for any particular medicine. Normally, that's doctor-patient privilege, number one. And regardless of whether you're actually trying to use a judge, you're actually Mm -hmm. digging into that person's First Amendment right in order to determine whether he's capable or applicable to even express Second Amendment rights. That's why it's not going to work across the board. <laughs> All right, now for the well, hearts I want to back up. You've, you've raised two issues. One is, so do you honestly believe that the people, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just asking, do you think that the people of America, their support for the Second Amendment is beyond events, that there's no tragedy so terrible that the kind of squishy middle will say, we got to do something, we, we just got to? I don't believe it, because hmm. based on the events that's already happened, let's right. take a look at it. I mean, if people go into a, I mean, you go into an elementary school and shoot kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that doesn't do anything, if that doesn't move the needle, then what other event are you expecting? But the to fact is that the, it did move the needle. It's just that the uh, way our legislative process works slowed things down, and the needle moved back. In, okay, so, so I mean, but, so in effect, the needle moved, and then the needle went moved, back. Moved back, and I, and my concern is that there's going to be an event or a time where the needle won't move that they'll it'll be you know long enough to change the laws just like look uh you could if you had told people what was in obamacare before it passed it never would have passed you remember how hard they had to work to pass it they had to do that crazy pretend it had passed the house and so they could vote on it even though illegally they shouldn't and, and they I, they shoved I get it the through point, but yeah i understand what so, you're saying that's apples and oranges though i mean well, i guess my, po- my point is if you have the right person the right moment the right does you know in, in the passion I, I, I fear that our fundamental Second Amendment rights could end. You raise a good point about the how do you do the mental screening, and I haven't really addressed this because I really want to hear from you. We're going to do more on that in the next hour. I have, a, I have a, a sketched out plan of something that I think Second Amendment supporters could support and would tell the great mass of squishy people, yeah, you guys are trying to make the world safer while protecting the rights of citizens. And I'll run it by in a second. But first, let's talk to Tim. Tim, you are on with Michael Graham. Go right ahead. Oh, thanks for taking my call, Michael. Uh, Listening to your question, the only thing I'd be really willing to give up to the left is uh, I would like to see a federal law passed in all states uh, requiring at least three-day wait to purchase a handgun. And that might stop stop the passion of possibly a spouse cheating or someone getting mad at their boss or something like that. But it really wouldn't prevent the mass shootings that you're talking about, Sandy Hook and Columbine, those things. Um, uh, Those people already have that. And with the mental thing, if we go with laws with mental, then what's going to happen is is they're going to say every veteran that's ever fought in a war has got some sort of PTSD. Right. Yeah, and they're not going to allow, you know, those guys are fighting for our freedom and our rights. But when they come back stateside, then they won't allow to be allowed to have weapons to protect themselves or their families that they were out fighting for. That's a great point, Tim. And also notice Tim offered an idea, a three-day waiting period. It wouldn't do much good, but it's also not much of a burden. I mean, you wait three days, get your handgun, you still got your handgun, you're still armed and protected. 
And so minimal investment, minimal improvement in safety and security. But you notice Tim's the first guy to actually have an idea. It's something that, see what I'm saying? Right now, all we have is, no, you can't do anything. And the other side saying, yeah, well, one day we're going to get them all. So you got the, we're going to get them all. We're going to get all your guns over here. And the, you can't do anything at all. And one of those two sides is eventually going to win. I'm hoping to try to be smarter. Mark is on News Radio 1067. Hello, Mark. Hey, how's everything? Fine, sir. Good, good. I really appreciate you taking my call. Uh, very quickly, there is a very big agenda going on with Obama and gang to get guns from Americans. Uh, but what they're doing, they're using the power of misdirection, you know, to, to get to get public opinion. Mm-hmm. They're using things like this, these incidents here, isolated incidents, if you will, sure. to, yeah, you know, get public opinion and so forth. But what they're failing to mention is that the majority of these of, of the crimes that are committed by guns are used with guns that are gotten on the street illegally. Mm-hmm. To give you an example, I'm originally from Detroit. And earlier this year, there was a gunman who tried to run up into a hair salon to rob the hair salon. Mm-hmm. Every sister in there had, had a legal, <laughs> well, had a gun and pulled down on him. And it stopped him in his tracks and they held him there until the police finally showed sure. up. And guess what? His gun was illegal. Of course. You can get a gun in Detroit on the street for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's not legally right. CCW carrying sure. American. And how do you solve you know, that problem? You create a task force. They know where these areas are. They know where the mm-hmm. guns are. Some of the guns that were seized off the street in Detroit uh, were turned around and sold right out the back door of the police right. station, mm-hmm. right back onto the street. You know, that's the problem. Well, you, you, know, you, nailed so. the pro- you nailed the real problem, which is illegal people, illegal weapons, illegal access. That's also the hardest thing to solve. The in the suicide note, Flanagan expresses admiration for mass murderers, specifically the Columbine killers and the Virginia Tech shooter. Flanagan said that after the Charleston church shooting, Jehovah God spoke to him. Then as he was walking out of the uh, actual newsroom, he handed a small wooden cross on his desk to a manager and said, you'll need this. Like we were in a lockdown the day that he was fired because we didn't know the extent of his mental illness. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. Good morning, it's 1107 at News Radio 1067. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River, and your only licensed and authorized distributor of the natural truth. What is the natural truth? It is absolutely true that gun crime rates have dropped by half, 50%. From 1993 to 2013, even as more people own guns and there are more people. In fact, the raw number of people killed by guns has gone down, which is phenomenal given the, you know, the increase in population. So the rates down, the guns, that's absolutely true. It is also true that America's rate of gun murders is wildly higher than any other modern industrial, industrialized country and almost any other country, including lawless regions like Syria and Chad. Those things are both true. And here in The Natural Truth, we look them straight right in the eye. And we're going to talk more about that, about whether or not 
the Second Amendment can survive uh, if its defenders say it can never be changed and their only answer when somebody dies like in the um, Charleston shooting or the Columbine or the movie theater shooting is, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Is that good enough? We're going to talk about that at 844-404-1067. There is other news, though. I want to make sure that for those of you tuning in, what's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? Uh, two new Donald Trump polls. One has him at 40, 40 percent. Uh, wildly higher than everybody else. In fact, the next closest person is uh, Dr. Ben Carson at 13 percent. So it goes from 40 percent all the way down to 13 percent, 10 percent for Jeb. And then everyone else is irrelevant. Who cares when Trump is at 40 percent? Other new poll. Joe Biden outperforms Mrs. Bill Clinton in polls that put them up against the Republicans. Hillary Clinton has been losing to Republicans like Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush. Uh, Joe Biden outperforms her and uh, he's not even in the race. So that's other huge news as people try to figure out what's what's going to happen. What's what's going to go on here? Uh, so, uh, those that that's part of the conversation. Another thing too, that's com- completely ignored before we get back to your phones here, phone calls, uh, massive rate increases from health insurers around the country in the second full year of Obamacare. I'm talking about 20, 30 and 40% increases and you're feeling them. You're feeling them as real people. And the reason I mentioned this is that. With the you know debate going on, what does Trump represent and border security, which I support, and uh, I wish a more viable Republican would seize the, the border security issue. But um, those aren't the issues that are going to move people to actually vote and to vote for your candidate. The things that will cause to will move people will be the economy, actual money in my pocket, and household income is still lower than it was in 2007 before the bust is healthcare costs. How many people do you know have I mean how many of you have had this conversation? Think about how weird it would be to be talking about like your healthcare and insurance. You know, what do you get you talk get together with your friends, what do you talk about? You talk about whatever, you know, sports or your kids or whatever. Then think about the number of conversations you've had. Oh my God, my healthcare. I got a deductible, it's like twenty three gazillion dollars. I, I I can never get coverage because my deductible is so high and it's costing me more than what I had before. Those conversations are happening across the country. And there are more and more of them. And it's directly attributable to Obamacare. Blue Cross Blue Shield in New Mexico, the latest state where they've bailed out. They just, I'm sorry, we're not doing it because they can't pay their bills because of the restrictions of Obamacare. And now they have to do coverage. They can't, so they leave. So that leaves fewer insurers. They raise the prices, either higher prices or higher deductibles or both. And this is happening across the country. Those of you who are saying, oh, there's Republican clown show. Donald Trump's going to destroy him. No one in their hearts. Very few people give a crap about Donald Trump either way. But they do care about, can I go to work? Can I feed my kids? Do I have insurance? And right now, the Obama legacy on all three of those things is awful. That's just the natural truth. Let's get the natural truth on what's happening on the roads. And then straight back to your phone calls Is there anything reasonable that we can do about gun crime in America? Your phone call is coming up. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. 
I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. It's 1118. I am Michael Graham. That's from the manifesto of the murderer in Virginia. Eventually took his own life. life. Claimed that he was a victim of racism and sexism. Uh, he was fired from job to job because he was a scary, freaky guy. You know how, whenever, like, for example, remember the Dylan Thomas, the Dylan Thomas, Dylan, uh, what's his name, shooting in South Carolina? They talked to his friends and they're like, man, I mean, we would hang out together. He, he would hang, we'd be in a group, it'd be like five black people and four white people. Just, you know, that was our kind of hangout group. He, he, all he wanted to do was smoke pot. I can't believe this is him. You know how that's usually the response when someone's a killer? Not this time. Everybody they've talked to about this guy. Oh, he was a nut. Oh, he was scary. He was crazy. We didn't know what he was going to do next. So this this nut burger goes out and uh, gets a gun two days after the Charleston shooting. And then he says because Jehovah told him to do it, he goes out and kills people. Immediately, of course, President Obama and, and Mrs. Bill Clinton jump on the we need more gun laws bandwagon. And I've I've said this for years. I'm open to any gun law that you want to propose. I'll consider it if you'll show me that it will solve the problem. Well, the proposals from President Obama, which are, um, uh, here, I want to give them to you straight up, uh, limiting the size of magazines uh, would not have solved the problem, uh, arbitrarily banning some rifles because they look scary. They call it the assault ban. Every weapon is an assault weapon. I mean, that's what, that's another word for a, I mean, what, what do you mean an assault not assault, the, the hug rifle. I want the hug rifle, not the assault rifle. So that arbitrarily banning an AR-15 would not have prevented these crimes. Uh, and then the third one is background checks when you buy from a private seller. Once again, all of these guns were purchased in gun stores from licensed sellers. So I'm open to, your, to the ideas, those of you who hate guns. You just have to give me something that'll work. On the other hand, I think it's dangerous for pro Second Amendment people to say, we don't have to ch- make any changes. We don't have to acknowledge there's a problem. Uh, it, it sucks to be you. Telling families that eventually Americans, because of emotion, are going to get so upset, they're going to say, that's not good enough. We're going to step in and put in draconian gun laws. Lori is on News Radio 1067. Lori, thank you so much for the call. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Great. Right ahead. Um, you know, I think there has to be a lot of compromise on both sides of the table. You know, I personally don't own a gun, and that's my choice. But also, at the same time, I'm not going to say that you or my neighbor can't have one, because, you know, that's that's your right, that's your choice. But it seems to be, you know, with, with the last, you know, few months with mm-hmm. the incidents that have happened, you know, the majority of these people have had some serious mental health issues or coping issues, what have you. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like, you know, if there were a little bit more stringent questions on the background check, maybe it would flag something to someone right. to say, you know, well, wait a minute, maybe this person doesn't need or, you know, be allowed sure. to have a gun. So you would describe um, yourself as not a big-time gun person, but generally supporting people's right to have a gun. Is that is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Do, do the you gun know, people? That's my that, personal choice. Exactly. Now, do the gun people ever? Do you ever find them off-putting because they seem so obsessed with their guns? Does that? Do you ever find it? Do you ever yes. I mean, I, I you know, 
you know, I, I think it's hard to put everybody in a box. Yep. Um, but, you know, I have, I've had some personal experience with, you know, with someone that's, you know, very staunch with their rights. Mm-hmm. And this particular gentleman, you know, carries a gun everywhere he goes. You know, and that's, I don't want to live in a society where it's like the okay crowd and, you know. As the caller earlier said, that's what we're going to do. So So let me run this by you then. Let me run this. How about this? If you have a mental health issue that actually causes you to have to be, you know, hospitalized, you have to actually be committed, or if you get prescribe some specific psychotropic drugs and I don't know enough about the drugs to say but you know the serious ones the yeah. the you know that uh, as soon as that happens an alert goes out to the FBI background check and it just puts a little asterisk on your name so that when it pops up and you try to buy a gun the guy says look I, I can't sell you a gun but you can go to a mental health professional and come back with a signature and if you do that then you can get the gun. You just have one extra step, just one yeah. little extra step, go back to your healthcare facility and come back, and if you've got that signed document, then you get the gun. Would that be a reasonable compromise that you could support? I, I do, yes. I believe I believe that that would be a reasonable compromise, and also it gives that individual, you know, time to either calm down, cool off, whatever, mm-hmm. because it seems to me that a lot of these things that have happened recently are a reaction to something else. It's a reaction to how that individual feels about race, what's going on in the right. world, what have you. So in the, the automatic response, in my opinion, for the folks that have you know committed these crimes and, and murdered people, is this that's, their, that's the way they're going to solve it. They're going to get a gun, and they're going to kill the people that, for whatever reason are harming them or they believe that are harming them. Lori, thanks for the great call. I appreciate it. Billy, you are on News Radio 106.7. Billy, take it away. Hey, I appreciate the uh, taking my call. um, A lot of the callers on both sides, you know, they make a lot of good sense. Mm -hmm. Um, My thing, the one thing that the one guy I talked about earlier, you know, if you go and apply three days later, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I actually live in the state of Tennessee and uh, if you've never seen a background report, uh, a lot of people should go look at them. They, they're not as easy as you think they are getting one. Uh, but now with that being said, the mental issue, man, I'm right there with you 100%. Uh, a lot of people are wanting the government to fix the problem right. where, you know, I, my, one, of my problem, one of my issues is I think the government is the problem. I mean, you go to your doctor, there's a lot of money sitting behind, hey, let's throw him on a drug. Well, that's right. one reason why people are snapping today. Um, now, what you just said, I'm all for that, too. You know, hey, if you go try to get a gun, and let's just say you was on Prozac or something like that, right. go to your doctor. Hey, maybe you have to be off of that drug, off of that, that toxin for mm-hmm. six months to a year before you get one. And, but, man, and, I, I think it's great. And, Billy, I want to say I don't know that six months to a year is right. I don't know the right drug, so I'm, I'm, I concede all that. But it seems to me that some model like that, Billy, where – if you've had needed health, mental health care treatment that hits a certain level, the flag should go up and that you should then have to cross another barrier. But once you cross a barrier, your Second Amendment rights are protected. Someone mentioned PTSD. I have no problem if we have a, uh, you know, a, a, a doctor board thing where you can go. Where if someone takes away your Second Amendment rights, you can go to that board and you can say, hey, here's my record. Here's who I am. I'll pass your damn tests. I'm the wrong guy. 
And if you go through that extra hassle, you get your gun. Because there are people who are mentally ill who won't be able to go through that extra hassle or who will self-select and they just won't even show up. And that'll be a handful of nuts who will not be able to buy guns the way that these nuts have bought their guns in these recent shootings. Tammy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Michael. Um, yeah, I'm, I carry and I carry every day, but I consider it my insurance, just mm-hmm. like car insurance. I hope I don't have to use it, but if I do, I have it. Right. And uh, talking about waiting three days, you know what? If, uh, if a woman especially has a stalker or someone that, you know, ex-husband, I wouldn't want them to have to wait three days. And when you do, most law-abiding citizens go and get fingerprinted and get a background right. check. Bad guys don't. They buy them on the streets. Mm-hmm. Just like drugs. Drugs are illegal. But you know what? It's everywhere. Sure. They haven't stopped that. So that's, and and I, not only know, that, tell... but a three-day waiting period isn't going to really change things that much no. if someone really no. wants to hurt you. So it's a minimal hassle with a minimal result response. So what then do you say to people who say, oh, my God, another theater full of people has been gunned down in Louisiana. I'm so sick of all this violence. I want to do something. Tammy, what right. do you say we can do? Well, you have to be responsible. Plus, the uh, well, media only make plays the bad stuff. I, I agree well, with you, that, but that's the reality. Right? That's real. Exactly. So once again, as these, pe- as these people are getting ready to vote to take away your rights, your mm-hmm. answer to stop them is going to be, don't do it. I've got another idea that's better. What's your idea? There's Tammy? not another idea out there. Mm, Bottom see. line is, you know, you can take a baseball bat, and I was telling the your guy right. to answer the phone. I can go get a nail gun. Mm-hmm. I can take a, you know, a baseball bat. You can kill people with a lot of things. But if they put more stories on the news where guns save people lives instead of, you know, just you know, talking over and over and over about the bad guys with the guns. There's lots of lives saved by good guys. With You're guns. absolutely right. Guns are brandished, some, and there are no accurate numbers on this, but somewhere between 100,000 and 500,000 times a year, guns are brandished. They're not shot. People just show, hey, I got a gun, and criminals go away. Crimes are prevented. That's absolutely true, too. That's part of the truth of the conversation, but the politics is true as well, Tammy, and that's what concerns me is getting blindsided because nobody stepped up. Uh, I've got another example of this, uh, of the flip side of this coming up for you in a few seconds. Also, we're going to give away free lunch. It's all happening here on The Michael Graham Show. Lunch doesn't have to cost dough because every day on Michael Graham's show, the lunch line. Kick it! You get free lunch if you call and 844 Free food is yours if you just listen. And today's lunch line comes to us courtesy of Community Smith, Midtown Atlanta's Modern Meadery. We're going to give you the line from the news. It is a one-word lunch line answer. Here we go. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go. You can finish that line from the news. You win free lunch at Community Smith, 844-404-1067. Let's go back to uh, Matt Door. So the dog was acting funny. and They said it was th- panting, panting uncontrollably. And, and, and they tested its urine and it had what? It was methamphetamine. It had meth. The dog had gotten into his meth stash. Yeah, basically, yes. Wow. We got to get rid of that dog. Oh, man. But get your own damn meth. You know? So, now, you said the dog is being adopted? 
Yes, uh, Jackson County has set somebody up to adopt him. Uh, Does this person adopt him? Are they going to cover his meth habit? I mean, you I can't have just, no idea. He can't make the poor dog go cold turkey. I mean, that, come that on. comes with it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Re- the do- your dog rehab is on you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for uh, updating that story, Matt Dorr, for us at 844-404-1067. More talk about uh, guns and the proposals for gun control after yesterday's horrible news. But first, let's give away some free lunch. John, are you ready to go, sir? I'm ready. We're going to play the line. Will you finish it? You win free lunch. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go. John. Boom. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. John, you nailed it. You'll be going to Community Smith. They're part of the Taste of Atlanta coming up September 25th through the 27th at Tech Square in Midtown. 90 restaurants and me, Michael Graham. I will definitely be there, and I'll see you. Please uh, come by. Uh, but uh, that they're sponsoring our lunch line all this week. 844-404-1067. Um, I'm going to read, before we get back to the phones on the gun issue, I'm going to read you some words. In fact, uh, Soccer Boy, you don't follow American politics at all, right? Not. You, no vague, you vaguely know like, who's running or whatever. Okay, you, you still don't even know which Bush this is they keep talking about, right? There's a bunch of them. You don't know which one. Okay, good. I'm going to read you the first three words on this poll survey, or this poll. Quinnipiac asked 700 voters, what is the first word that comes to mind when you think of, and then it filled in, you know, went through the names of the politicians. Which politician is this? I'm going to give you the first three answers. Liar, dishonest, untrustworthy. Who were they talking about? Hillary Clinton. Ding, 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 ding. You, you should get free lunch. Isn't that amazing that without knowing anything else, just those three words, you immediately knew it was Hillary? By the way, I'm going to roll through. And and, and, uh, just to give you some numbers, uh, 178 people. And there was no list. They weren't asked to choose from a list. They were just asked. So what is the first word that comes to your mind when I say Hillary Clinton? 178 people said liar. 123 people said dishonest. 93 people said untrustworthy. Uh, to put that in perspective, 15 people said intelligent. 15. 170 said liar. 15 said intelligent. Uh, 93 said untrustworthy. 9 said qualified. 8 said a word that rhymes with which. With which. When you see all these polls about Joe Biden, that's what this is about. Right here. The first here, I'll give you the first 10 on Hillary. Liar, dishonest, untrustworthy, experience, strong, Bill. That's why we call her Mrs. Bill Clinton. Woman. The, the top 10 words include Bill and woman. Because those are the only two reasons to vote for her. That's why she's Mrs. Bill Clinton. And then smart, crook, and untruthful. Those are the the top, the top 10 include liar, dishonest, untrustworthy, uh, crook, and untruthful. And they by themselves overwhelmingly are more than half of the poll respondents. Incredible. Let's talk a little more about uh, the uh, calls for gun control in the wake of this day's shooting. Uh, Lester is on News Radio 1067. Good morning, Lester. How are you doing today, sir? Great. Take it away. Got a solution to Excellent. the problem. We'll take it. And it's all, the good part is it's already been used by another nation for quite a while, 
and seems to work real good. What's the nation that? is Israel. They, the solution is responsibility. In Israel, they consider you either part of the problem or part of the answer. Mm-hmm. When somebody pulls out a gun, everybody jumps on them. Mm-hmm. Or everybody pulls, you know, they don't just let them just sit there and, oh, you know, reload four or five times and shoot somebody. You know, mm-hmm. they, you, you, you've got to be responsible. Responsibility, and not just responsible for everybody standing around needing to jump in on it, but, you know, when you catch somebody and it takes two or three years or, or longer to right. go through a court system mm-hmm. and they're walking in with purple hair and eyes rolling around and they're like, you know, uh, I, I'm innocent, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and we just blow money, good money after bad, trying to prove when when you've got you know uh, all these people dead, the guy standing there with a gun, the gun smoking in his hand, and we're going to give him a chance to try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, so you want so you want to end that in the courts? This is don't do that anymore. When it's beyond a reasonable or a shadow of a doubt, when a man standing there with a gun and mm-hmm. fifty. Or a hundred people sitting there saying, "I seen him shoot right. these people." Does he? But does he still get a trial? I think he got. I, I think he gave up the right to trial when he walked in there with a gun with the intentions of killing people. Lester, thanks for the great call at eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Now, do you see Second Amendment support is why we should be worried? If your answer is everybody should carry a gun and no one should get a trial, if I think you're already guilty. I don't know that you're going to get a big majority of Americans for that. I got to tell you, I'm a little, little curious about the marketing plan for the injury trials. You damn guilty, and I got a gun, and we'll string you up out in the front, in front of the courthouse. I, it, 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 maybe that's America. Maybe it is. Maybe that's a winning strategy. I'm just not sure that it is. Just that's that's my concern. Anne is on News Radio 1067. Hello, Anne. We need greater enforcement of some of the laws we already have, but I'm a little worried that we might resort to the system the Soviet Union had where you uh, use psychiatry and psychology as a political weapon. Mm-hmm. In other words, we, um, we, we wind up telling people you can't have a gun because we don't like you, we don't like mm-hmm. your opinion. And that, that, I think, is the major problem here. We can't resolve it because we can't be sure of the politicking. You were talking about the PTSD thing. Right. What about somebody who runs into a system, such as I have done, mm-hmm. um, where they just don't like your opinions? You can't do right. anything. I mean, and then they, they therefore deny you access to a gun. Now, that's a big, I'll, I'll give you another example. In uh, Massachusetts right now, if you want to own a handgun, you have to get permission from the local police chief. And he doesn't have to give a reason why he's denying it. He can look, you just say, I don't think you're the kind of person who should own a gun. And which is, of course, ridiculous. And eventually it's going to be thrown out by the Supreme Court once it gets there. But so you're right. There's danger. But this is my question. If we have the Second Amendment, which gives you the presumed right to own a gun, and then you have the ability to go before some kind of you know, three judges or whatever. Do you, don't you think there's a way we could do that that would make sense? And it would stop the looniest of loonies from having legal access to guns, which means it would stop some of the shootings, which means you could go to your neighbors who already don't like guns and say, look, I know you don't like them, but here's a reasonable step we've taken. Now, please leave my law abiding gun alone, which is what this is all about. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. In fact, now we're learning the police were not only called, they had to physically lift this shooter out of his chair to escort him out of the building. Then, as he was walking out of the 
uh, actual newsroom, he handed a small wooden cross on his desk to a manager and said, you'll need this. So this is the first indication we have that there was any kind of contact uh, between uh, one of the victims here and this shooter. It's 1152. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, a horrific, horrific crime committed by a loony guy who ranted about racism, about uh, homophobia, and who was so politically partisan that as a reporter, he showed up at the Election Day polling place to do the coverage, and he was wearing an Obama for President sticker in 2012. Can you imagine what the media would have done if instead of a black gay guy killing two white people, it had been a white straight guy killing two gay black people, and he had been wearing a Mitt Romney sticker or a Donald Trump hat? Oh, my God. It was... And this is what normal people are taking away from this. They remember what happened, the reaction to the Charleston shooting, the argument that we need to draw some conclusion about America because of the motives of one guy. We'll now hear the motives of a guy in another shooting. ABC News is reporting it received a 23-page page fax from someone claiming to be Flanagan two hours after the shooting, referencing shootings at Columbine, Virginia Tech, and in Charleston. The church shooting was the tipping point, he writes. But my anger has been building steadily. I've been a human powder keg for a while, just waiting to go boom. So uh, he's inspired by Charleston, but that means nothing about America. The Charleston shooter was inspired by whatever his new jobbery was, and it means everything. How about if we learn the lesson to stop generalizing from one clearly nutty person? And, I mean, you, talk, you, you listen to the people who used to work with him. This guy was a problem from way back. I can tell you that he was probably the toughest termination we we ever had or that I was ever uh, involved in. And I won't go into details right now, again, uh, out of deference to what's happening in, in Roanoke. But it was a, it was a really tough termination. Uh, it was the only time I will tell you that uh, it was recommended that I have a police escort out of the building uh, in a termination procedure and, and did have it. Uh, he was actually... Uh, escorted by the Roanoke police out of the, the building because he was not going to, to leave uh, willingly uh, or under his own free will. So it was, a, it was a tough situation. And people ask, how does a guy like that with all those problems walk in and legally buy a gun? No problem. Well, as far as I know, although his employer said he should undergo mental help and you know, get mental treatment, it was there was never there was never a legal action. You know, he never was arrested for something and pled guilty and said, yes, I'll go to anger management or whatever. If he had entered the legal system or the healthcare system, then you could say, well, maybe we need a system where if you have a mental health issue, you get flagged when you want to buy a gun and you have to go through one more step. You know, get a note from your doctor or, you know, go before a judge or something. There there are ways to navigate that. But uh, we'll never know because. He didn't go to that system. Instead, this was apparently just an aggrieved guy who was always complaining, always whining, saw the world against him, uh, and then held the world responsible afterwards by committing a hideous act of violence. The classic injustice collector is uh, those people who aren't making it and they're blaming it on everybody else along the way. And, you know, in this case, you see a classic injustice. What was his injustice? His injustice was he viewed himself as a guy who should be, you know, here on network television news. And unfortunately, he found the most terrible way uh, to get there and to be that lead story sure. and, and to be on it. 
And that's the, the part that haunts me. You know, we talk about my decision yesterday as soon as the video that he took of him shooting his uh, two former co-workers hit. I posted a link to it on Twitter and Facebook with a big warning. Hey, watch out. This is horrifically graphic because I feel like that's my job. We're in the conversation business. My job is to show you what it is people are talking about. But at the same time, that gives, you know, feeds into the self-aggrandizement that this kook wanted. I still think I did the right thing. It was up to you to choose whether or not you wanted to watch it uh, because you're grownups. You're adults. You're normal people. And while I am not a normal person myself, I admire you tremendously. And I do my show every day for you, for normal people who are trying to figure out how the way the world really works. And I need all the help I can get. Remember, email me, michael at michaelgram.com. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcasts at michaelgram.com. Radio broadcasting legend, The Kimmer, coming up next on News Radio 1067. Love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 